the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. We're not under the mandate under the letter of the law, but we're still under the principle of that law. The stewardship, the principle that it all belongs to God and we give a tenth to honor Him is still a good principle to operate by. And by the way, it's not an Old Testament thing. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, He rebuked the religious leaders and Pharisees of His, of his day. He said, you hypocrites. He said, you tithe a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, and your cumin. But you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, like justice, mercy, and faithfulness. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Nehemiah. Have you been a good steward over the things God has blessed you with? As Christians, we understand that everything we have has been given to us by God and that we are simply stewards of those things. The danger comes when we begin to believe that we are owners of the things God has entrusted to us. Today, Pastor Gary will be exhorting us to be faithful stewards of what God has given us and to use those things to help further His kingdom. All throughout the Bible, we are commanded to give of our time and resources in order to bless others. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Nehemiah chapter 12 for part two of today's message titled, The Test of Time. building a new building. It's a beautiful building, but we're we're not going to worship the building, all right? We worship the God of the building, but the God of the building cares about what goes on in his building, and we need to care what goes on in the house of the Lord. If you don't think that's true, you need to remember the Gospels, because not once but twice when you put it together, all the Gospels tell us at the beginning of Jesus' ministry and also at the end of his ministry, he drove out the money changers from the house of God Because they had turned the house of God, which was supposed to be a house of prayer, into a den of thieves. They made it into a flea market. And Jesus comes through on one of the occasions. It says he braids a whip. This is not Sunday school Jesus, friends. All right? This is not meek and mild Jesus. This is Jesus who's ticked off righteous indignation, drives out the money changers. Why? Because God cares about what goes on in his house. So we're not to idolize the building But we are to understand that we need to take care of the building and we need to worship the God of the building and we need to be concerned about what transpires in God's building. All right? And and so as a church, by the way, this is something we have to deal with in practical ways. Uh, We get asked from time to time by different groups within the community if they can use our facilities. 
And uh, on different occasions, we oblige. We're happy to do that. We want to reach out to our community. We want to be welcoming and open. You know, we just recently, uh, for the second time, we, we allowed the, the Fire and Rescue to hold their graduation ceremony here. Okay? We love doing that kind of thing. But I guarantee you, we get into our new building, we're going to get even more requests. Because our new building will have the largest auditorium in Loudoun County. We're going to get some more requests. And our attorney has already warned us. If you start saying yes to some groups and no to other groups, the groups you say no to are going to potentially sue you. So are you aware of this kind of thing? And the reason is because we would say no to some groups because either that group is not compatible with or what they espouse is not compatible with the things of the Lord that we would feel comfortable allowing them, therefore, to use the building for. So we, we have to be uh, considerate of those kinds of things. And I don't want us to have to deal with frivolous lawsuits. There might come a day when we have to say no to all the groups just so that we can make sure we honor the sanctity and sacredness of the house of God. Because what goes on in the house of God is important to the God of the house. Amen? Amen. And so we have that responsibility too. Nehemiah comes in and he says, I cannot believe that you've just allowed to buy an enemy of the Lord who doesn't even worship the same God to come in here and have a room in the house of the Lord. So he cleans house. Nehemiah does. He cleans house. Second thing that we see here that they've neglected over time is the tithe. Look at verse 10. In verse 10, Nehemiah says, I also learned that the portions assigned to the Levites, talking about the tithes, had not been given to them and that all the Levites and singers responsible for the service had gone back to their own fields. So I rebuked the officials and asked them, why is the house of God neglected? And then I called them together and stationed them at their posts. Okay, your attention for a moment. So people were to bring their tithes and offerings into the house of the Lord. Now tithe is just a word that means tenth. They were to bring a tenth into the house of the Lord and by the way, I don't think that that, in terms of principle, has been done away with. I think still as a principle, that is a good thing to operate by. Because everything that we have is the Lord's. It's 100% His. But the, the concept behind the tithe is you honor me with a tenth so that you always remember that it all belongs to me and that you realize your dependency upon me as your provider. Okay? Friends, listen, the spirit of the law is still intact on this. The letter of the law is not. You are not obligated to give a tenth, all right? Feel free to give 15 or 20% if you'd like. Praise God. <laughs> now, why do we chuckle about that? We chuckle about that because whenever we hear, okay, we're not under law anymore, where does our, our mind instinctively go? How can we do less than that? That's where our mind instinctively goes. Why? Because our flesh always wants the easy way out, okay? We're not under the mandate, under the letter of the law, but we're still under the principle of that law the stewardship the principle that it all belongs to god and we give a tenth to honor him is still a good principle to operate by and by the way it's not an old testament thing jesus said in matthew 23 23 he rebuked the religious leaders and pharisees of his, of his day he said you hypocrites he said you tithe a tenth of your spices your mint your dill and your cumin but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, like justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then Jesus says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Okay? Jesus endorses the principle of tithing, just never at the expense of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. That's more important. So when the people were to bring their tithes to the house of the Lord, it was in part, still is, in part, for the support of those who ministered there. 
Nehemiah comes in. He says, why aren't the Levites here ministering in the house of the Lord? Why aren't the singers here ministering in the house of the Lord? He said, why have they gone back to their fields? They've gone back to their fields to harvest their fields to make a living. Because the people were not bringing in the tithes to the house of the Lord. And so therefore, Nehemiah rebukes them as well. And says, you need to get this in gear and you need to honor God with the tithes. So look at the solution. Verse 12. So all Judah brought the tithes of grain, new wine, and oil into the storerooms. I put Shelemiah, the priest. Notice he's put in place a new priest now. Out with Eliashib. He didn't do his job well. I put Shelemiah, the priest, Zadok, the scribe, and a Levite named Padiah in charge of the storerooms and made Hanan, son of Zakur, the son of Mataniah, their assistant, because these men were considered trustworthy. They were made responsible for distributing the supplies to their brothers. And then he adds, Remember me for this, O my God, and do not blot out what I have so faithfully done for the house of my God and its services. So they had allowed time to erode their priorities here in regards to the temple. Number two, the tithe. Number three, the Sabbath. Look at verse 15. In those days I saw men in Judah treading wine presses on this Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys together with wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore I warned them against selling food on that day. Men from Tyre who lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. So here's what they were violating. They were violating Shabbat. Shabbat is Sabbath. It's a Sabbath rest. When was Sabbath rest first put in place as a requirement of the law? Exodus 20, it's commandment number 4 out of 10. To honor the Sabbath day. Now why? Because God said in doing this, you will follow my example. God sets the example in that he worked, he created the earth in six days, and he rested on the seventh. He said, I want you all to do the same thing. Now, technically, Sabbath is still a day starting sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. That's the reason why the Jews today still honor the Lord on Shabbat, on Sabbath, which is Saturday. Seventh-day Adventists still technically hold to Saturday as Sabbath day. Why is it that we worship typically on Sundays? Because Christians adopted a day of Sabbath worship and rest following the ongoing commemoration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you look in the book of Acts, Jesus, of course, rose and the Gospels tell us on a Sunday, first day of the week. And then when you look in the book of Acts, the church began regularly meeting on Sundays to commemorate the resurrection of Christ, and it's been ongoing. So for us, Sunday is our Sabbath day. Sunday is the day that we worship the Lord. It's the day that we're supposed to rest, okay? But technically, it's not a day. Again, we're not under the mandate of the law. But we're still under the principle of it. Sabbath is still a good principle for us to recognize and to experience. Here's why it's not a day. In Colossians 2, Paul says in verse 16 and 17, he says, Don't let anyone judge you on the basis of a new moon celebration, a festival, or a Sabbath day. He says in verse 17 of Colossians 2, For all these things were a shadow of what was to come, the reality, however, is fulfilled in Christ. That's what he tells us. Christ did not come to abandon or abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. 
The ultimate rest we experience is in Christ, so it's not a particular day. Fact of the matter is, some people work on Sundays, okay? So, you know, their medical field or, or various jobs that, you know, you have to be on certain days, so you can't worship on a Sunday. You can't really, you know, take a day off as, as a Sabbath day, okay? Sundays are kind of work days for me. All right? And for all our pastors, by the way, that's why we take another day off during the week. Because the principle is still intact. Just like the principle of tithing is still intact. I'm not under the mandate of the law, but I need to understand the wisdom of what God said. I want you to honor me with one out of seven. Okay? Now, it's ultimately fulfilled in Christ, so it doesn't really matter technically which day it is. But all of us better be off one out of seven. Because God knows we need to recharge our batteries. We need to be refreshed. We need to be revived. Jesus said in Mark 2, 27, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Because God knows that if we keep working and working and working and working and we never rest, we're going to break. A workaholic will eventually break at some point. All right? So God put in place for us a day, at least one out of seven, where we rest, where we honor the Lord, and then we just rest. We just enjoy some time to refresh ourselves, okay? We need to get this, friends. Even your household appliances know how to rest. You overwork some of your household appliances, they will stop. They will rest. They have safety mechanisms built into them this way now. You know this, right? Like space heaters, now they're, they're, they're built in such a way you knock over that space heater, automatically turns off. It's a safety feature in there because the manufacturer knows this thing falls over, it's going to overheat, there's going to be a fire, it's not going to go well with you. So now there's little safety valves put in place for stuff like that. Some of you ladies get your hair dryers going a thousand miles an hour and it will suddenly stop, right? Because it's overheated and has this little safety mechanism in there. Doesn't matter how much you blow on it, doesn't matter how much you bang it on your sink. It ain't going to start again until it's jolly well ready. It has a safety valve. It just shuts off, and it'll come back on when it's cooled down. A circuit breaker. Circuit breaker operates on the same principle. If the circuit breaker gets overloaded, it will trip. Okay? Now, you and I also have a circuit breaker. All right? You start to get overloaded. Your circuit breaker will flip. It's called a heart attack. Ack, 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 ack. <laughs> you ought to know by now. All right? You ought to know. Some, some Billy Joel fans in the back, they know where I'm coming from. All right. By the way, when you listen to that song, it's Moving Out by Billy Joel. It's a great song. Where he talks about heart attack, you ought to know about it. When he writes that song, it's all about being overworked and losing your life because you're just so busy just doing everything that you, you, you don't take time to just relax a little bit. God knows we need it. That's why he built it in. In fact, just to illustrate it, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported that 30% of American adults, 30% of American adults, 40.6 million American adults are overworked and sleep-deprived, getting six or less hours of sleep a night compared to the recommended seven to nine hours per night. Okay? And I believe this statistic because on Sunday mornings, on a rainy Sunday morning, I see some of you making up for lost time. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? What did he say? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody will tell you that was for you. So here's the solution. Look at verse 17. He says, So I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this wicked thing you are doing, desecrating the Sabbath day? 
Verse 22, then I commanded the Levites to purify themselves and to go and guard the gates in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. And he's saying, guard the gates. I don't want any of these merchants coming in and out, violating Sabbath day. Guard the gates. We're going to return to a respect of the Sabbath day. Here's the fourth and the final thing that they had neglected and allowed time to erode, and that is the sanctity of marriage. Verse 23, He says, Moreover, in those days I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. I rebuked them and called curses down on them. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. So here's, here's where he goes, Jason Bourne again on them. He's just like beating up some of the men, pulling out their hair. He's like, I, can't, I cannot believe. I've been gone 10 years, and in 10 years now, you started marrying the, the people of, of neighboring countries here who are pagan, idolatrous people, and your kids, half of them don't even know the Jewish language. Now, what is so tragic about this is this very thing the people took an oath about not violating before Nehemiah left. You don't need to turn back to it, but I'll read it from chapter 10, verse 30. They took this public oath. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or to take their daughters for our sons. They promised that. Nehemiah said, great, good promise, good word. I'm glad you guys are obeying the word of the Lord. Temples rebuilt, cities rebuilt. I'm going back to Persia. But when he comes back 10 years later, he sees how time has eroded their values and their vows. And they're doing some of the very things that they promised they would never do. Time is a way of eroding this. Now, please, by the way, and I've said this at different times, and I'm going to say it again here because it's, it's applicable. God does not have a problem with intermarriage in terms of nationalities or races. Okay? The issue here is not a problem of nationality. The problem is a problem of spirituality. They, they were not in the same place spiritually. The Jewish people who worshipped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were marrying people who worshipped false gods. And it was making, therefore, for a spiritually incompatible marriage. Please understand, the most important decision you will ever make in your life, next to the decision of trusting Christ as your Savior, is who you will marry. And we must understand the sanctity of marriage. And I submit to you that spiritual incompatibility is the greater threat to a marriage than physical incompatibility. Most people are more concerned about physical compatibility, making sure everything works just right, you know. And so, honestly, that's why a lot of people violate God's standard of purity, about keeping themselves pure before marriage, because they're more concerned about the physical instead of the spiritual, which is, is more consequential in your relationship, the spiritual part. But people, that's why they're like, well, you got to check out the physical, you know. Let's say, yeah, okay, let's just make sure. That, you know, so I've got guys saying to me, I just want to make sure the engine purrs. <laughs> So that's why you're test driving a car before you buy it. Because you want to make sure the engine burns. You know what you really need to be concerned about, dude, is just to make sure you're man enough to start the ignition. All right? Make sure you're man enough when the time comes to be able to start the ignition. You know what you need to be doing? Instead of test driving the car, you need to be reading the manual. Read the manual. Read the manual. Find out how beautiful and wonderful and completely complex that vehicle is. All right? But don't be looking under the hood. 
Are you single guys picking up when I'm laying down? Word. Word. All right? The word. The manual. All right? So, listen. The idea is, what grieved God was that when Nehemiah comes back, these people had lost all sense of what was right and wrong. They just, we're going to marry whoever we want to marry. Please understand, if you're a Christian, you should date a Christian and marry a Christian. Being on the same page spiritually is not only good biblically, it is good practically. Because two people who understand lordship in a marriage where Jesus is lord of a marriage will have unity about things where unity is simply not possible when one is a Christian and one is not. That, that, that isn't to suggest that as two Christians you will always agree on everything because God knows we won't always agree on everything. We are created individually and uniquely. What it is to say, however, is that when you have Jesus as Lord of your marriage, Lord of your family, you will have agreement and unity on the big issues. Big issues like how to manage money, how to raise kids, how to prioritize life, how to love and forgive each other, which can only come because you know Christ as the one who forgives us. So it's important. Now his solution here, after he beats up some of the men, verse 25, last part of verse 25, he says, I made them take an oath in God's name and said, you are not to give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage for your sons or for yourselves. And he ends the book by saying here, verse 30 and 31, so I purified the priests and the Levites of everything foreign and assigned them duties each to his own task. I also made provision for contributions of wood at designated times and for the first fruits. Remember me with favor, O oh my God. Let me tell you how we need to apply this. We need to be asking ourselves individually, what are some of the areas that I have allowed time to, ro to erode in my walk with Christ? And corporately, we need to be asking ourselves, what must we be careful to never allow time to erode? I said at the beginning of our study in Ezra that change is unavoidable. We all know that. And some change is even necessary. Particularly as a church, if we are to stay current and relevant as a church with things related to like technology and how to reach and engage our culture, methods and styles may change. A church that relies on the motto of, well, we've never done it that way before, will never be innovative and effective in reaching this generation or the generation to come with the unchanging Word of God. So we must be willing to be flexible when change is necessary. Warren Wiersbe said, quote, change for the sake of change is novelty. Change for the sake of growth is progress. And if we only want to engage in change because we have fleshly motives or change that occurs unintentionally simply because we've allowed time to erode our values and our convictions, then it's not really change. That's compromise. And may God help us to present Him who is never changing. Okay? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That doesn't mean He's out of date or out of touch. What that means he is that He is reliable, he is consistent, he is dependable, he is faithful, he is unwavering. How do we present a never-changing God and his never-changing word to an ever-changing world? And that is our challenge. 
But it's number 25 in our conclusion through Ezra and Nehemiah. Here's the last point in our series. We must never let time erode our values, convictions, or principles. We must always remain true to the Lord and to His Word. Nehemiah faced a daunting task of leading one of the waves of returning exiles and rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. The work was hard and slow and filled with setbacks and struggles, including enemies who came up against them. The great thing about Nehemiah was that he wasn't a priest and he wasn't a Levite. In fact, he wasn't in professional ministry in any way. You may not be a pastor, but God can use your experience and willingness all the same. Who knows what amazing things he may have in store for you if you'll open yourself to his leading and step out in faith. You have a great journey awaiting you. Just ask God to open your eyes to his plan. We'd love to pray for you along this journey, too. Are you facing a difficult situation? Call us and share your prayer requests at 703-771-1500. To hear more great messages from Pastor Gary Hamrick, look us up online at cornerstoneconnection.cc or subscribe to our podcast. You can also take Cornerstone Connection with you on our mobile app to listen to whenever and wherever you are. That's it for today. We pray you continue to seek God in your everyday experiences and that you feel His presence in your life today. Be sure to tune in again for another exciting edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not a Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.